Welcome to Overdrive, a program about the wonderful world of motoring and transport. I'm David Brown, and in this program we look at news stories from around the world, including the federal government in Australia opens the door to funding public transport, the Melbourne Metro Rail Tunnel. We have a great interview with Brent Davidson about his trip to the Le Mans 24-hour race. We road test the Kia Carnival, a people mover that I would happily own. And in our panel discussion with Errol Smith and Brian Smith, we take a light-hearted look at stories including the first people to be arrested for manspreading on the New York subway. Have a question or a comment? Send it to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. Now, let's get the program going. First, the news. There appears to be a thawing of hostilities between the federal government and the Victorian state government about funding transport projects. The federal government has long said that it will only contribute funds to road building projects. But when the two sides got together for the opening of the regional rail link, which was built with a combination of federal and state funding, there was acknowledgement and a degree of mutual appreciation. Now the Federal Infrastructure Minister, Warren Truss, said he expects his government would be approached to fund one of the state government's key infrastructure projects, an $11 billion rail tunnel connecting north and south suburban lines through a second CBD subway. The new CBD rail line was the state Labor Party's alternative to the Liberals' east-west road link. Google is spreading its wings. The Silicon Valley giant is starting and funding an independent company dedicated to coming up with new technologies to improve urban life. The company is called Sidewalk Labs. They describe it as an urban innovation company that will pursue technologies to cut pollution, curb energy use, streamline transportation and reduce the cost of city living. To achieve that goal, Sidewalk Labs plans to build technology itself, buy it and invest in partnerships. The federal Labor opposition has said that tax breaks for cyclists are worth closely considering as a way to get more people to ride to work. The ABC reports that nine bicycle organisations have made the case for new ride-to-work incentives in a submission to the government's tax white paper. They want cyclists to be allowed to salary sacrifice bikes, helmets and lights up to a cap value of $1,500 in a similar way to how cars are currently salary packaged. The Cycling Promotion Fund says that a survey by the Hart Foundation indicated that more than 70% of people surveyed would support extra government funding to make it easier and safer for them to walk, ride or catch public transport. Nine people have been charged with fraud after an anti-corruption investigation into Victoria's Transport Department. While not in the magnitude of the allegations against FIFA, the Independent Broad-Based Anti-Corruption Commission have laid more than 100 charges against the people involved with procurement of infrastructure at Public Transport Victoria and the former Department of Transport. Over 70% of motorists have been exposed to road rage in the last 12 months, and alarmingly, almost one quarter, or 22% of incidents, occurred when children under the age of 15 were present. The survey of almost 1,300 people in New South Wales and the ACT, conducted by the NRMA, 
found almost one in five motorists surveyed admitted to committing road rage. Three quarters lent on the horn, 44% used a hand gesture and almost one third mouthed abuse. More than three quarters of respondents were unaware that there were specific laws that apply to road rage. Charges of menacing driving can apply to provable acts of intimidation on the road. The more serious predatory driving charge applies when there is the act or intent to use a vehicle as a weapon. At a recent conference in Victoria, Professor Raymond Bingham spoke of the value of having a graduated driving system like that used in Victoria or New South Wales. Professor Bingham, from the Young Driver Behaviour and Injury Prevention Group at the University of Michigan Transportation Research Institute, laments, however, that US parents have no guidance nor evidence-based resources, leaving many US parents uncertain how to best help their teens. He leads a research project aimed at developing and evaluating a coaching guide for US parents. The guide highlighted three principles. One, start with the simplest, safest driving conditions. Two, progress slowly to more challenging and complex driving conditions. And three, practice driving skills repeatedly and with focus. The famous gap that rail passengers have been told to mind for decades could be in jeopardy after successful trials of a safety device to fill the gaps on London platforms. The rubber devices, appropriately known as gap fillers, are fixed to the sides of platforms near the doors and have apparently eradicated accidents during a year-long trial. Accidents from passengers slipping between the train and the platform accounted for almost half of the fatality risk on modern trains, the firm said, while less serious incidents caused delays while passengers were being cut free or treated. And that has been the news. It was the great racing car designer Colin Chapman, famous for Lotus cars, who said that fans come back to Le Mans 24-hour race each year because of an innate drive to return to their place of conception. Well, no matter what the reasons, the Le Mans race is one of the biggest events on the racing calendar. This year, Porsche won outright with a 1-2 finish. And our regular correspondent, Brent Davidson, from the Newcastle Herald and the Illawarra Mercury, was at the event, and he joins us on the line. Brent, it's the world's oldest active endurance sports car race held annually since 1923 near the town of Le Mans. Where is Le Mans? David, Le Mans is about two hours' drive, about, about 185 kilometres, almost due south of Paris. Do it in the car, two, two to two and a half hours. Do it on the train. You're lucky if you're on there for an hour. Oh, geez, that's good, isn't it? Oh, yeah. What sort of place is it? Well, it's, it's a large, fairly large sort of uh, town. I, I liken the whole Le Mans thing to Bathurst. Um, someone said to us, where's the circuit? And I thought, hmm, good question. And, and a kilometre out of town, there's the circuit, uh, much, much like our, our own Bathurst and Mount Panorama. So there, there's, the, uh, there's the comparison. Oh, it's interesting, isn't it? We'll talk about the circuit in a minute, but there are a range of car classes in this event, isn't there? Four, there's the production-based ones. Yeah, well, we, we start at the top with the LMP1 class, which is uh, largely uh, hybrid cars running 
two, four, six, and eight megajoule uh, power output uh, limits, which. Look, I tried to work it out. I think I did, but I won't even try explaining it. Just just go with the fact that they're big, they're fast, and they're beautiful to look at. Um, then you go to the LMP2 class, which is the uh, prototype sports cars using uh, pretty much turbocharged uh, V8 and V6 engines. Then we move to the GT uh, Pro professional class, which is Porsches, Aston Martins, Ferraris, etc. Similar in in looks to what you buy from the showroom, and then at the uh, well, for want of a better word, at the bottom part of the field is the GT amateur class, which same cars but but less skilled drivers. So there's a good mix there, and there's a range of speeds from say top speed of uh, I don't know 250 to 350 kilometres an hour. Oh, gee, that's enormous, isn't it? That outright class, Porsche, Audi, Toyota, it's pretty serious stuff, isn't it? But the design is, of course, the, there's um, a long straights there, so they're not so much about wings to get downforce in corners, they're more about smooth aerodynamics to go fast down the straight. Is is that a fair reflection? That is that is fair, yeah. Um, I had the, the great pleasure of having a helicopter flight over the circuit, so I could see exactly what they were talking about, the things you don't see by looking at a map on the, uh, on, on the page of the program. Yeah, the, the Mulsanne Strait, very long. Uh, in fact, going back about 20 years, I actually put two chicanes in it to slow the cars down because uh, they were getting up to speeds of 450 kilometres an hour. Oh, amazing, now they've brought the speeds down to about 330, 340 Oh, is that all? That's all, yeah. <laughs> Just slow, terribly slow. And here's another one for you. 13 and a half kilometre circuit approximately, and um, the, the, the very quick cars manage nine, possibly ten laps on one tank of fuel. I was going to say that. <laughs> Pit stops is a critical issue over 24 hours. Yeah, well, the thing is, though, that they've, they've got it worked out pretty well. Pit stops aren't the three- and four-second jobs we see in Formula One or the, the eight-second thing we see in, uh, in V8 supercars. The pit stops are basically timed. Um, you know, you have to be stopped for a certain period to, to fuel the car, change the driver, put on four wheels and tyres, and, and then they will, will release the car. Uh, so I wouldn't say pit stops are leisurely by any stretch of the imagination, but, but they're not nearly as frantic and frenetic as we've seen in other, in other formulae. Okay, that, that's interesting. I guess that also allows for easy change of drivers without sort of trying to push sums over the limit just to avoid the change. Absolutely, and, and the funny thing is too, because you, drivers all don't come in a set size, they all sort of um, drag their, uh, their baby seats out of the cars, these booster seats that the, that the short guys use. Um, it, it's quite, quite funny actually because you, you see a driver standing there waiting patiently for his car to pit and he's holding what looks like a baby, baby booster seat. You know, <laughs> the other the other guy gets out. He drops his booster seat in, and then jumps in on top of it and settles the belts in. So it's it's all yeah, it's it's funny to watch. Brent, lovely to talk to you as always. Thank you again for your experiences and your time. David, it's always my pleasure. Brent Davidson from the Newcastle Herald and the Illawarra Mercury talking about his trip to Le Mans 24-hour car race. And you can hear a longer interview by going to our website at drivenmedia.com.au, including some of the circuit and some unusual accommodations and an opportunity where you too could go and share with that excitement.
Overdrive. If you have a question, suggestion or comment, send an email to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. If I had enough money to have a fleet of cars, I would buy one of these. It's not a sports car or a performance vehicle of any kind. It's not a trendy vehicle or even a vehicle with a degree of elegance. It's a Kia Carnival people mover. The reason is that with a family and the occasional few friends, it's just so practical. I would also buy a sports car or two as well, but that's another story. But in summary, better looking, wonderful, pretty practical, two engines, four models with each, all automatic from 41 and a half to a fairly high $60,000 plus on roads, of course. But of course, it does come with plenty of features. But what about the details? Errol Smith and I have been driving the new Kia Carnival, the diesel platinum model, in fact, top of the range. And Errol joins me on the line to talk about the experience. Errol, people movers, no matter how practical they are, can have a bit of a stodgy image, can't they? Yeah, they have. Um, but the, the quirky Kia looks from a decade ago or so are dead and buried with this one. I, I, Very I, think, much I so. think I think this is uh, better looking than the Odyssey, which is of course the you know been uh, been the uh, you know the, the yeah the, the t- that broke the, the mold. It yeah. uh, sort of uh, tried to look more car like, more station wagon. Well, not the old boring station wagon, but sort of stylish sort of station wagon. But you you like this even more? Yeah, I do. Um, uh, it's and it it seems to be uh, a bit more practical as well. The you know the the Honda was got that style by sort of making some compromises in terms of uh, um, some of the sort of the height and things. So um, yeah, I think they've they've done really well with this, and um, I for, think it'll get the what is a big car. Yeah, for what is a big car. Yeah, it's designed by a Peter Schreyer, who uh, actually uh, spent some of his time designing for Audi including the Audi TT, the little sports car. Uh, it's quite different uh, from the range of models that he's done and done very well with Kia, I might add. The old Kia model, I thought, looked a bit dorky, long and thin, cigar-like, tall and gangly uh, in its proportions. I think the proportions of the new one, as you say, are much more uh, uh, better looking. Looks mm. much, yeah, much I, I think the Odyssey has sort of um, made all the rest of them stand up and take notice and go, well, when, when we design the next one, we might actually get someone to look at the outside. Uh. <laughs> yes. It was sold on the number of seats on the inside. Yeah, yes. That's what it yeah, used to right. be. It was a square box with lots of seats. Um, yes. But, um, yeah, I, I found this um, – and speaking of the seats, there's eight, eight seats standard. Um, but uh, mm. if, if you think that's good, it's got 10 cup holders and four bottle holders. <laughs> Practicality. All the seats, uh, including the front ones, of course, are adjustable in the normal sense. But the middle row and, of course, the back row, as in most cases, fold down. But the middle row, the adjustability of those seats is fantastic. Yeah, there's a huge amount of it. I think these have the, the middle row has more adjustability than a lot of you know, the front seats in many cars. Um, and um, you can completely remove completely remove either either of uh, the three middle middle seats, um, mm. as well as slide them backwards and forwards. And you can tilt them forward to get make uh, make getting in the back uh, the third row easier. Um, mm. Yeah, I think it's um, it's great. And the and the third row seat design is is just fantastic. The way it uh, folds completely into the floor. 
Yeah, that middle seat can slide backwards and forwards for comfort and room and leg room and both for the middle seat and the third row behind it. And as you say, it can fold right up against the back of the seats of the front seats, uh, making for this huge rear storage area. In fact, the storage area, even with the three rows of seats up, the storage area in the back is 960 litres. Yeah. A Commodore would have about 530 or so. Yeah, it's, 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 it's hard to explain without a picture, but the, the third row seat design is really ingenious. So they come out of the floor, and then you have this mm. massive well in the floor where the seats were. So you have this mm. gigantic boot, um, effectively, even with a third row seat up. And, um, and, and the comfort of this is uh, in terms of getting in and out of the, the third row and the, and the, um, the rear storage is, is going to be much better than any SUV with a, with a third row. The no, spare no. tyre is, in fact, under the centre of the car on one side, uh, and so it doesn't uh, get in the way mm. of uh, making uh, optimum space in the back with the third the third row of seats either folded up or, f- or folded down. Mm, yeah, and and because you, this is inevitably going to be full of kids and things, it's got all of the connectivity. It's got Bluetooth with streaming as standard on all the models, and it's got multiple twelve volt and USB charging points for all the all the gadgets. So, um, you know, the toys aren't going to go flat while you're on that long drive. <laughs> Absolutely critical. Era, lovely to talk to you. Thank thanks very much for your time. No worries, David. See you. And that's Errol Smith, and we were talking about the Kia Carnival People Mover, new one on the market, a practical car with plenty of features. Overdrive. For more information and past programs, go to drivenmedia.com.au. And the final part of our program where we talk about some unusual stories, some quirky news to do with motoring and transport. And joining me on the line, we have Errol Smith. G'day, Errol. G'day, David. And Brian Smith. G'day, Brian. G'day, David. Now, Errol, you have a story to start us. Yes. Uh, are you a manspreader, David? Well, let's look out because it's now a crime in New York. And uh, much like the name, it could spread, uh, unlike the legs of the guilty parties. But what is manspreading, you're asking? It's when a passenger, usually a man, opens his legs wide or otherwise sits in a way that takes up more than two seats, um, usually on a train, but could be a bus or, or whatever else. But um, even if you don't get caught by the cops in New York, you and your fellow manspreaders could cop the wrath of Ms. Snyder, and yes, that really is her name, the vigilante anti-spreader who has chosen to make her point with her posterior sitting on the guilty, making those legs close faster than a mousetrap. It made actually for some rather good reporting, I thought. She said that men sit there like post-vasectomy physical therapy exercises that they're doing, which I thought was rather clever. And, uh, <laughs> and then she, I, I, I do find it rude. I think she also mentioned the Battle of the Bulge, which I thought was rather clever. Uh, they do um, annoy me, I must confess. You know, people mm. with bags on seats or spreading legs so you can't comfortably sit down. Many years ago, I sat next to a guy on the train and, and clearly he didn't want me there. And, uh, mm. and he, you know, sort of 
continued to heavy push over, you know, as though claiming two seats was essential. Yeah, what he Lord was trying to sort of squeeze you out and, and discourage you to mm. uh, away into another seat. Yeah. Mm. How did you handle it, was David? That lovely did, you, uh, did you sort of remonstrate, Drew? You know, the, or no, just I uh, quietly struggle back? I, yes, I, I refused to give in. I refused Good to man. leave, of course. But, uh, mm. I, I, he wasn't, you know, there were a few other seats available, but they were equal, what I would consider equal seats. You know, there, were two per, there was one person in a two-seater mm. in a number of cases. It's so the folk who put their bag on the chair next to them that annoy me the most, I have to say. Mm. 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 I love that uh, thing that uh, takes the side of the men. I can't remember who wrote it, uh, but he wrote a lovely thing under the heading Blunt Instrument, Man Spreading Our God-Given Right as Men. Yes, I, I, <laughs> now, I, I, I think it's a piss take, just, just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, I did search the good book and I couldn't find the word man spreading anywhere uh -huh. uh, as being a justification, but he wrote some lovely words. He talked about misandrists, which is the hatred of males, which I didn't know. I guess that's uh, the, you know, the, the equivalent of misogyny, is it? Uh, I suppose. Uh, but he then wrote this lovely thing. When God packed our dangly bits where they would quickly be crushed without due care and attention being paid to the provision of ample lebestrum. Lebenstrom. Lebenstrum. Uh, this is the German concept of living space. Yes. Well, it, yes, it, it has a, a general thing of any additional space needed in order to act or function, etc. But I think most uh, pointedly, it is uh, additional territory considered by a nation, especially Nazi Germany, to be necessary for natural survival for the expansion of trade. <laughs> so I, th I think it is uh, somewhat, um, you know, Nazi-ish, isn't it? It's uh, controversial. Yeah. I mean, the whole idea that people um, are being arrested for it, it's very strange. Um I mean, it is uh, an inappropriate way to sit. I always try not to take up more space than than uh, is just my space. You know, I'm I'm not mm. sort of spreading my legs trying to to occupy more space. It's, it is just um, common courtesy, I think, not to to spread yourself you out. Know, you know why women don't do it? Because they wear skirts. Oh, not I all think, women I wear think skirts, we should, David. We, I think no, you're no, generalising. Possibly yes, generalising. Yes, so but 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 so, I mean, so they've what, lived in that. That environment where they sometimes even wear skirts. But again, not all. I accept that. But uh, there's a notion, of course, we should bring back the kilt for men. <laughs> that'll keep the legs closed. Yeah, that'll hope, keep the legs hopefully. closed. Hopefully. Except on hot days. <laughs> I think that really would get you arrested for manspreading. Yeah. <laughs> even if it wasn't a direct crime in and of itself. <laughs> Is there is there a rule that of in in the American subway system that says you cannot take up extra space? I don't think the word manspreading would be in the legislation. Yeah, well, it, th there is actually a, a rule in the MTA. The, the rules of conduct prohibits passengers taking up more than one seat when it interferes with the operation of the authority's transit system or the comfort of other passengers. Okay. So I think Why basically, would you arrest what, someone for that? You might, you might. Turn the, turf them off the train. Well, I don't know. I think I think I think if you were, you know, uh, an elderly person, you know, with their, you know, with their cane or something, or um, or you were a, a heavily pregnant woman, I think you'd appreciate the, the the guy who won't give you a seat being arrested. 
Mm, but but uh, but Errol, uh, the the judge uh, sort of pointed out that the uh, the the time of the arrest was twelve eleven a.m. So you mm. wouldn't expect too many people to be no, on and, the and and, and they the were train. they were two two and then see. two lat- Sorry, Latino men. So you know you wonder sort of uh, perhaps they were profiling. Um, could Racial be, profiling. but perhaps perhaps they were um, up to no good, and that was the the best sort of. Um, I think uh, the cops yeah, could so come okay. up with at the time. No, no, I think the other thing is this. It, that you send them to jail, and if they spread their legs there, they're in deep trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I love how this, uh, this bloke wrote in the defence of that. He said, but what should we now uh, not even presume to afford our little folk the dignity and re- repose of just a little extra wiggle room? <laughs> it's intolerable. Uh, there's that lovely story from uh, A Fortunate Life. Yeah, A.B. Facey, an Australian book about a guy who had a hard time. Don't ever tell you that story. uh, Among other things, he he lived a life where he was beaten, flogged as a kid and all these sorts of things. Uh, But he he titled his book A Fortunate Life, went to Gallipoli, among other places. Uh, He then got a job as a tram conductor in Perth. And uh, they're going along as a crowded tram and an old guy was sitting down there and a young lady got on who was obviously quite pregnant. And the, no one stood up for her. So the old man said, look, I'm an old man. I can't really stand up, um, but you can sit on my lap. And so she sat on his lap for a while and bounced around and what have you. And after a while, after a few stops, he stopped and said, excuse me, madam, you're going to have to get up. I'm not as old as I thought I was. <laughs> Well, I, 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 wonder, I wonder if Miss Snyder has ever got that reaction. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think they're, they're far too shocked to, um, to uh, be aroused in any way, shape or form, I think, when uh, oh, this yes. woman basically just sort of, she basically forces her way into the seat um, next to them. And if she can't do that, she literally, good quite literally her. sits on them. Yeah. Okay, that's it for this week, gentlemen. Thank you very much for your time. You're welcome, David. And anytime, David. And that's Errol Smith and Brian Smith. And we were talking some quirky news here on Overdrive about the wonderful world of motoring and transport. And if you want to hear more quirky news stories, go to our website at drivenmedia.com.au where there are additional tales about the age of steam engines, leaving embarrassing information on a bus and taking your goat on a train. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to Errol Smith, Brian Smith, Brent Davidson and Paul Just for their great help during the program. Overdrive is syndicated to stations across Australia on the Community Radio Network. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening. Listener.